God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. It's time once again to bring clarity to the chaos. The Bible is the world's most amazing book. Supernaturally given by God, it is the Word of God. It is a living book that can speak the words of God directly to the hearts of those who hear or read it. Unfortunately, our current generation doubts everything, especially the things of God. Today's guest is ready to show how the Bible can answer all doubts that arise. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, with today's guest. Our guest is Dr. Lonnie Shipman. He has become a number one author and researcher in biblical studies. He's right at the top. He's written a number of excellent books. Uh, let me just run through them. Secrets of Prophecy Revealed, Heaven's Orchestra, The Stars Sing Praise to God, Treasure, and The Coming Temple of God. Now, Dr. Shipman's latest book, King of Books, The Bible and Archaeology and History. And we're going to be talking about King of Books on this show and the next. Lonnie, thank you so much for being with us once again. It's a great honor to be with you today. I think your book is going to meet a, a real need because, you know, all over the world and even in our country, there's an attack on the Bible. Chinese Communist Party, they're rewriting the Bible. So you are giving a, a solid historical, archaeological basis that everybody can appeal to. I know a lot of times people say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, okay, do you believe archaeology? Look at what the, the archaeologists are writing. So as, as we start, why write about archaeology? Well, it's exactly as you're saying. There's a, we have historical proof, and sometimes scientific in other areas is covered. So this really is a, an approach to show historical proof of the Bible. The Bible is true. If the Bible describes a story, an event, uh, then do they find reference to it anywhere in history? Well, sometimes exactly as the Bible describes something, they've found a cuneiform tablet or or a, a, a cylinder or something that describes in great detail, even paralleling what the Bible says. So it shows again, over and over, the Bible is couched in history. It is literal. Yes. It is true. Yes, that's a, that's a great, great statement. Well, one of the things I've often wondered about, and I know you know a lot about that, and I've done some study on it, how do they learn to read these ancient languages that are now dead, like cuneiform and Akkadian and so on and so forth? Because that's really very basic in archaeological and historical studies as it pertains to the Bible. It certainly is, yes. That's one reason I, at the beginning of the book, cover the history of hieroglyphics, how they discovered it, and the writing, and then also the cuneiform. Really, the hieroglyphics was discovered by Jean Champillion in France, spent 28 years of his life. And then later, primarily Henry Rawlinson of England, did the study on cuneiform. Cuneiform has six different languages, and he and some others specific over 27 years. So all together combined, it was many, almost 60 years of the two wow. and others working on these areas separately to discover these ancient languages. It opened up to a seven ancient languages, and later a few others were added. And then we can read now, we just find a tablet or saw hieroglyphics on the, on the pyramids or something, the obelisk. They can now read what it says and often find references to things in the Bible. Right, right. You know, I, I think there are a lot of Christians who are, what should I say, suspicious of scholarship. And yet, when you do archaeological studies, when you learn cuneiform, that's the wedge-shaped letters in a clay tablet, that's difficult, <laughs> but it has a good purpose. So 
I think I'm as conservative as anybody, and you are too, but I think there's a place for good biblical scholarship, looking at the original languages, even Paleo-Hebrew, and going back, 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 way in the past, and that really glorifies God. So I know you and I and several other, what should I say, conservative Bible scholars believe in scholarship. It's really important. Now, let's talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Tell us about what they are. Uh, Maybe tell us a little bit about how they were discovered, I think, quite by accident, and how are they important in biblical archaeology? Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls are a collection of several hundred manuscripts found. uh, They really don't know for sure. They they believe they were found in 1947, uh, and then later other people searching found a few others, and they threw about 1952, found primarily most of these manuscripts in 11 different caves. They looked in 300 some odd caves. A Bedouin named Muhammad the Wolf, Muhammad el Adib, and his friend were out in the desert near what we call Qumran, or the north part of the Dead Sea. One of the goats had gone missing. He called for the goat. He saw a cave nearby, threw, thinking a goat was, had gone in the cave. He yelled for the goat. He didn't come out. He got a rock and threw it in the cave and heard crashing pottery. He was curious about this. And so he crawled in the cave and found, smashed this this uh, one pot that was smashed and found pitch covered. Actually, they were scrolls, but he didn't know what it was. He thought they were mummies. So he called to his friend. He crawled in. They crawled out holding these and said, we've found these mummies. We're rich. We're rich. They weren't <laughs> mummies. They were actually ancient scrolls. They were disappointed to find it was ancient writing, and they didn't know what it was, so they carried them around. They don't really know how long, a year to maybe as much as 20 years. That's why they're debating when it was first found. But they, they even used the scrolls to light their campfires and things like this. Right. And thinking later, well, maybe this will be helpful as antiquities. We make some money with this. And they went to a cobbler in Bethlehem and with the name Kando. Kando was a cobbler, and he also sold antiquities. So they said, well, maybe he'll use it, buy them as antiquities, and maybe, maybe if not, he'll at least use it for shoe leather. So then he uh, looked at this, and uh, they tried to get 20 dinars. He gave them 16 dinars, just a little bit of Jordanian money. But they were happy to have that, and he later took them to someone and sold them for $250, who sold them for 200000 and then <laughs> sold them later for about $3.5 million, <laughs> on and on through as they changed hands. They discovered it was the ancient Bible. Mm. When F. William S. Albright saw it, he said it was the oldest Bible by a 1,000 years right. than anything they'd ever seen. It's dated to about 200 B.C. to about 56 A.D., these scrolls. And now, the, what the importance of the scrolls are that they f- have copies of the Bible over and over again, as well as some commentaries and other books, make primarily religious books. And the Bible in every text except four exactly parallels our King James Version in English, showing that wow. it is it, preserved, is what we're saying. The Bible is preserved, whatever language you might have, such as Greek, uh, maybe German or, or, or Spanish or some other. There's a Bible available that's been preserved already, and we can see this line of the Bible still in our hands. We can trust it with confidence. Wow, that's a great explanation. I know when I was in uh, seminary, I was working on a, a PhD, and uh, I had studied about the Dead Sea Scrolls, and then I won a trip in seminary, Southwestern Seminary, to uh, Israel. And my, when I went to Qumran and I saw those caves, I shook all over with joy because here is proof that the Bible hasn't changed. This is something a thousand That's years right. earlier than, than we have. So once again, 
here is scholarship because these uh, these scrolls had to be translated. You know, it's not like in English or anything of the sort. So it's it's absolutely amazing, and I I wish our listeners would not be afraid of scholarship. I know there are unbelieving right, scholars, right. but there are believing scholars, and uh, I think there's a place for scholarship. But but let me ask you, Lonnie, what about your personal experience with the Dead Sea Scrolls? Well, that's another amazing thing. I was trained personally as a concert pianist. My father was a pastor, sixty-seven years. My mother had a piano at a Baptist university, so I went to a direction of sort of becoming a concert pianist to make some money in the classical piano, really. Uh, and uh, then I was called to preach in the middle of that. I was shocked. I had won six international competitions, touring the world internationally in piano, and through this study of the Bible, felt I'd been saved as a little boy, six years old, but then I felt burdened to serve God and gave up this dream of, of classical piano and really the money and the fame, you might say. And then went to Bible College Seminary like you, and later also music degrees. And through this, I uh, then started studying and using the piano for God. So I decided to go to Europe, and then later I was invited to go to the Middle East and to do concerts. And in the concerts, I would tell the hymn stories, mm. and if possible, I would witness in different ways. I would not always do a sermon, but sometimes I could, sometimes I wasn't allowed to, but at least tell the hymn stories. By telling the hymn stories, including verses, with the hymn stories, you're in a way giving a testimony, almost like a witnessing to them, in a nice way. And so I opened the door. Now through this, I was able to go to Israel, and my father's closest friend in Bible college was Aubrey Richardson, who had got a master's in music and Bible, like my dad did, two different degrees. And then he went also and did a master's in mathematics at a Texas university here. And then he became the top engineer of the F-16 fighter jet program. Then he was sent to Israel to build a special version of the F-16. He heard I was going to be in Belgium and Holland. He said, you get yourself on a plane, get down here to Israel. Well, he was a longtime family friend. And so I, like an uncle to the family, you might say. So I went off down to Israel, and he said, get in the car quick, your plane's late. You're, you're, we got to go see the ambassador. Mm. What do you mean, the ambassador of Israel? <laughs> the American ambassador? you got to be kidding. Oh, no, he's waiting for you. Uh, well, I've got to change into my suit. I'm dressed casually. Oh, no, we don't have time for that. Just get the car. So we went off to meet the ambassador, invited he and and, and some of the dignitaries to the meetings. Then I, they were in Tel Aviv and, and Jerusalem, the, the different meetings I was having. Then um, they said, would you like to go meet the top archaeologists and rabbis? Mm. Wow, it was amazing. <laughs> so within three days, I met the top rabbis. The fourth day, I was interviewing some of the top archaeologists. And then they said, now it's tomorrow. Let's go on a tour of the secret underground passageways of Jerusalem, and let's go see the Dead Sea Scroll mm. Caves. Wow. Oh, I didn't know you could even do this. So I was able to do these, help of these people or eight of the 11 caves, including that famous cave 4A, where 80% yeah. of all the early Bibles were found. And it's amazing to get into these places and realize that here's where they found the greatest discovery of the Bible wow. in the history of the world. Mm, that's so exciting. Well, friends, our guest is Dr. Lonnie Shipman. He is the author of King of Books, The Bible and Archaeology and History. Now, this is really a great volume for anybody, especially in today's world. Some people think of the Bible as a lot of fairy tales. It's not. There are so many indicators that biblical events really happen. The places, practices, and customs that we find in the Bible do come from antiquity. You'll want this book. Our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Tell the operator that you want your own copy of King of Books, one 800 
652-1144. Now, Lonnie, let's focus a little bit. What do we learn specifically from biblical archaeology? From archaeology, we first see that the historical facts that mention over and over and over again are true. Not only the places that are there, the names of the places, then biblical characters, the name of God is found over and over again in certain inscribed uh, stellas or big monuments, things like this, and the name of certain biblical personalities. Also, we find sometimes in some of the ancient clay tablets, the Bible prophesied specific events when Cyrus would come and invade uh, Babylon and take over Babylon and free the Jews to come back to the land. Cyrus was prophesied by name to come before 145 years before he was even born. And then he later came. Now they found the Cyrus Cylinder, the name Cyrus, doing these things. And many details about what happened as he invaded right. and, and also freeing the Jews. All this is delineated in the cuneiform. And sometimes minute details are included in the Bible and the cuneiform showing, right. so again, God verified his word wow. Wow. in history. Well, you know, this is very exciting for me. I have a friend. He's an ex-Mormon. And uh, he's, he's now a Christian, evangelical Christian. He believes in Jesus. He believes in the Bible alone. But he said, you know, when you look at some of the Mormon writings, they mention places, uh, the hill of Zarahemla in Guatemala, wherever it is. And he said, if you go to those places, you can't find it. But when you read the Bible today, most of the places mentioned in the Bible, you can go to. There's a tell, yeah, you know, exactly. a pile of runes. There's a foundation. There's a street. And I think that's really significant. He said, when he saw that, he knew that, that the biblical accounts were historical, actually happened in time and space. If somebody had been there with their camera, they could have taken pictures of Jesus' teaching. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful testimony. So the discoveries show evidence of the historical facts, culture, language, and sometimes additional facts for the Bible. So right. tell us about some of the most important archaeological uh, discoveries that uh, directly relate to the Bible. What, what do they include? How, how about the flood tablet, for example? Well, the flood tablet is only is one of eight of a collection that talk about the story uh, with an, a different name of a personality, but it's similar to the story of Noah. What's amazing is it talks about a personality that's written several hundred years after the event happened, after the Bible was first given orally by what we call oral tradition. But sometimes these same stories of the Bible, as they are told in other cultures, they're, they're mixed, they're, they're transformed a little bit with sometimes another personality name. But it names of someone coming, and, and he decided to build a boat and save all the animals. And then at the end, after being in the water, in the flood, worldwide flood for a while, he releases a raven and then a dove, like the Bible talks about. Right. And so many, many details like this. And they found not just one, but they found eight flood tablets. The, the famous one you can see, of course, in the uh, British Museum, but there's also one in the Ashmolean, and part of these tablets are also in the Louvre in Paris. Yes, yes. Well, tell us a little bit about the Moabite stone, and uh, I love the black obelisk of Shalmaneser II. Uh, that's really important. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the Moabite stone is interesting because it, uh, it uh, is the, the oldest uh, copy we have of the uh, name of God uh, the, that we have, and it also... Uh, also covers, we, it has the name of Yahweh, or what we now call Jehovah. Now, more recently, someone has done more research and found the name of King David listed in the Moabite stone. 
And a black obelisk of Shalmaneser II, Robert by the way, is in, is, in, is in the British Museum. The black obelisk of Shalmaneser II in the Louvre shows a sculptured picture of Yehu the king yeah. of, the, of the house of Ombri bowing before the Assyrian king, Shalmaneser. And also, on another side, it shows four Jewish prisoners bringing their gifts of gold mm. and different uh, offerings to the king. Wow. So we have other Jews. Have, you see the famous sculptures of what the Jews look like, as well as the king, a biblical character, Shalmaneser II. You even have the fingerprint of Baruch, the scribe of Jeremiah, in a in a little uh, seal, really is what it is, from an ancient pot, and it's called a bullet. It's a seal. There's two of them. One of them has the fingerprint of the, uh, the of a biblical character, the help, the friend and helper of Prophet Jeremiah. So many things were just astounding over and over again that found the David inscription a few years ago. As you were saying earlier, for a long time they claimed some of these people didn't exist or some of the places didn't exist. So the David inscription, just a few years ago, they found an inscription at Tel Dan, and it said House of David, showing there was a King David of the House of David. Now they've found, then they said, well, that can't be true. It's only partially there. The next year they went back and found the complete inscription. The rest of it was still there. They mm. dug it up and, wow. and put it together. Now it's complete. But now they've found two other early inscriptions, even earlier by 100 years than this inscription, to, uh, one 50 years earlier, one 100 years earlier, showing that there, there was a King David. Later they said, oh, there was a Nineveh. We've never found Nineveh. And they looked, uh, looked and finally found Nineveh. Nineveh was a huge city and four sinners. And they, that's an area. They, they looked for the Hittite kingdom. Couldn't find it for a while. They finally found it in Turkey. And then he found not only us, one city, several cities, and one had 25,000 ancient tablets describing the, the things like the Bible described, the different events of the, of the Hittite Empire. So again, when people deny the Bible, then they find it over and over again is true. We're looking forward to you coming back, and we will continue our discussion on our next program. Friends, be sure to tune in. Our offer for these two programs is King of Books, The Bible and Archaeology and History. Now, this is a book for your personal library. It's also a perfect addition to a church library. Great material for pastors, Sunday school teachers, elders, deacons, and every Christian who wants to be well-informed and well-versed in the Bible, its significance, and wants to speak about history. Let's talk about history. Well, we who believe the Bible, there's a lot of history. We'll have more from Dr. Lonnie Shipman on our next program. Make sure you get Lonnie Shipman's brand new work, The King of Books. Order your copy of The King of Books today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit our website, swrc.com. Now, let's join Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill and Prophecy in the News Magazine editor Lise Cutshaw with an exciting preview of the latest issue of the Prophecy in the News Magazine. Hello there. This is Kenneth Hill, President of Prophecy in the News and President of Southwest Radio Church Ministries. I don't know how I got to be President twice, but I did, and we are thankful that we have that opportunity to serve the Lord as we are serving Him. I also serve as publisher of the Prophecy in the News magazine, and I want to encourage 
each of our listeners to get a subscription, at least an annual subscription, to the Prophecy in the News magazine. We need to have your support in that fashion. And we are thankful that our subscription list continues to grow. We're thankful for that. And we would encourage you to be part of our process, be part of our subscriber base. Well, we want to say welcome as well to two of our favorite folks who are here with us today. We want to say thank you to the workers that work so hard. Lise Cutshaw is the one that really, you, you pick this thing up and run with it every month, and it's, uh, it's quite a job. You got a lot of people helping you, but you got a lot of work to do on that. We try to get serious about it, yes, but we do have a lot of contributors and and as well as designers who work on it. Good. We also have Josh Davis here with us. Yeah, good to be with you, Dr. Hill and Lise as well. I'm privileged to have a small part with the magazine. Well, we're glad you do, and we are wanting to talk about this prophecy in the news magazine. Lise, why don't you uh, start out and tell us, Uh, some of what we're going to be seeing in the Prophecy in the News magazine. Well, as as we do each year, now that we have surpassed our one-year mark, I can say that, we try to reflect on what's going on in our country annually, if not more often than that. And this issue looks at a number of perspectives on what's going on in the country right now and how that how one can look at that from a biblical standpoint well when you think about uh, bill federer you know that he has history in view he was quoted in what happened to america the article that you have in the in the prophecy in the news magazine this this time and Bill Federer has a lot of history that he's written about in these pages, and he puts the Bible with it, which is the neat part. Bill Federer is such a special researcher. He always has been. He still is. He's been doing it for years and years, and he also contributed to the battle for the young minds from Bill Federer's Socialism, The Real History. And uh, that's an important article, a good article for you to read. We can always learn a lot from Bill Federer. And the article, the lead article, was written by John Ruiz, who took information from Federer's interviews with Southwest Radio. Yeah. Well, we've had a good, long running success with Bill Federer, and uh, he's such a nice man. Enjoy working with him. Josh, Larry Spargimino has an article this time called Fatal Exposure. What's that about? Well, he really highlights some of the things that are happening in today's America, especially with our young people and the things that they are being exposed to through education and really takes a close look at that Pastor Larry always has cutting-edge content. He stays on top of the news. He stays 
in touch with what's happening in our world, and he exposes biblically some of the things that are happening among our young people and what's going on in our school system that we need to be aware of. Well, you also have an article called Nothing New that you opined with. You're looking back Are you at, opining again, Josh? You, you, look, you look back at some headlines, so tell me about that one. Yeah, well, it's headlines that I created, but it's based on historical information. And uh, what I did was try to cause the reader to guess, if you were to see these headlines, when do you think that this would happen? And I explained some facts from American history, things that actually happened whether it be on college campuses, whether it be the social dynamic that was happening across our country. Churches. Yes, and churches that were really having a difficult, difficult time. The Lutherans and the Episcopalians, for example, wanted to merge together as one and because they were both just languishing. Baptists and the Methodists had had what they described as a very wintry season seemed like nobody was being saved, seemed like nothing was happening with churches, nobody was interested in the Lord. The moral decline continued to erode in this country. And so... Sounds a lot like right now, right? It it certainly (laughs) does. It certainly does. It sounds like we're reading today's headlines, but in fact, it came from a time period in American history that most wouldn't expect. It was right on the hills of the American Revolution in the late 1700s to about 1800. But God's people began to pray. They began to follow verses like Second Chronicles 7.14. Churches band together up and down the colonies in this young nation, and they called it the Revival Prayer Concerts. They set aside one day each month that they would pray and seek the face of the Lord. And out of that was born what we call the Second Great Awakening here in America. So I explained the history and some of those things in my article in this edition of Prophecy in the News. And remind us that there is hope. Yes, absolutely. There is hope for today because we serve the same Jesus, and we're praying to the same Jesus that they prayed to. Absolutely. Well, we've got the final article that uh, we talk about is always one that's a classic from J.R. Church. Tell us about that. Well, um, I hate to be a spoiler, so I won't do that, but J.R. has such great insights. He was, of course, looking at things a few years back since he went on to glory in 2011, and and I do want to mention condolences to the church family in the passing of Linda Church, who was so integral to Prophecy in the News ministry and to the magazine and one of our supporters as we have revitalized it. So we do send sympathy and love and prayers to the family, the church family, at this time. But we try to work in and are proud to work in a JR Church classic every month. And this one he called America, Death by Suicide. So we'll let you all find out about that by reading it. That's right. So the Prophecy of the News is available for you, and we want you to have it. So why don't you subscribe to the Prophecy of the News magazine? It's good for you.
Friends, make sure you order your copy of Lonnie Shipman's brand new book, The King of Books. Call 1-800-652-1144 or visit our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Lonnie Shipman will continue his series, Revealing the King of Books. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.